All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Can you see Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. At arm's
Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by the great folks at Parallel 49 Brewing Company. As always, my name is David Guadrelli and I'm sitting here with the man who built the place, Chris Faber. Chris, are you still reeling after that Salo interview? Because I sure am. Yeah, I built the place and Sammy Salo and Rick Dollywall are about to burn the place down. Two amazing interviews uh, coming up here in this episode. It was so much fun and I mentioned it, but like, I don't know, Sammy Salo, like, I haven't heard him talk a lot, but getting to actually chat with him, like, you and I were giggling more than Durant's on 1040, like, we thought it was hilarious, all the <laughs> stuff that he was saying, um, oh, obviously man. the story that he's gonna get to, like, you wanted to maybe get a, like, a story out of him about Burroughs and Kessler and, you know, BX uh, joking around with players and pulling pranks, but I think Sammy Salo was a little bit of a prankster in his own right. Well, he delivered. He delivered, man. He told us, like, he's like, oh, I don't have a story about them, which was fine. And then he gave us a prank of his own that he pulled with Yarko Rutu, which I just found hilarious. Like, that was a, that was a wonderful, wonderful story. I love how story. He, the story that he's going to get to is talking about, like, hanging a sweater in the rafters like they retired uh, the sweater. Like, I thought that was hilarious. But we'll oh, get to that in the so interview, funny. obviously. Um, but we do have, we have some news, actually, too, which is kind of nice for us to get into here. Yeah, exactly. The Hub City debacle is over. Actually, before we get to the news quads, you uh, you got to come over to my house for the first time. What did you think of the farm? <laughs> I mean, it was great. There was goats in the backyard, which I found hilarious. I, <laughs> you know, I sent a Snapchat of that to all my city friends, and they were like, "Whoa, where are you?" I'm like, "Just my friend's house. Like, he has goats. No big deal." Uh, which was pretty funny because you know I'm not as comfortable around animals as you are. So you were just like, "Ah, oh, they're like a small dog. They won't do anything to you." I'm like, "Oh, okay, great." Because I've seen like. Videos of goats being angry, and I'm like, "Whoa, are these angry goats?" But they weren't angry goats; they were very chill goats. Yeah, they were. Uh, they're miniature goats, so they're not going to rough you up at all. But I, I could, I could see the look at or the, I could hear the tremble in your voice when you were asking about the goats because they were like standing right outside the door because they're they've gotten to a point now where they can just jump over the fence and like they kind of just go in the yard wherever they want. Um, so yeah, I, I knew you were going to be a little bit worried, but we got the video done. You got out of there pretty quick, though. I noticed. You'll see me uh, in the video that we did. I'm like shoulder checking quite a bit because I hear noise. I'm like, oh, is a goat coming to ram me from behind? <laughs> like, I, I don't want to get rammed on camera by the goat. No, it was uh, it was good, but you got to see the place, so that was nice. Because um, yeah, that now that you know social distancing is, you know, we've done a really good job of preventing this virus from spreading. It's nice that we can you know get back in person and stuff. So it's been good. Yeah, it has been, and I just said get rammed on camera on air. So um, that that's a thing I just said. Good job. That I just that just kind of clicked in my head. But uh, let's move on because we definitely need to move on from me saying that the Hub Cities <laughs> debacle is over. Our friend Rob Williams is very excited to not have to write three articles a day about the Hub Cities. Uh, looks like Bonnie Henry, Doctor Bonnie Henry, uh, BC's top doctor, put her foot down on the NHL's proposal to return. Out of an abundance of caution, it looks like, for player safety. So, Chris, I mean, we know what happened. I'll ask you this. Like, do you think that the players now are going to say, like, well, hold on a second. Vancouver's obviously the best place to go because of how well we've managed the virus. Why aren't we going there? Is it because you want somewhere that's going to let you play through a bunch of positive tests? Because it looks like that was where maybe the breakdown in communication came. Or um, I've also heard that it was because of the close contacts that people could have. Like, could they yeah. bring their families? Could How many close contacts could they have in these hub cities for the next two or so months? So, I mean, are the players going to be upset that they have to go somewhere else? Well, man, first of all, um, you know, like, I, I used to watch Bonnie Henry's 
press conferences every single day, especially when this was going on, like when the virus was really cranking up. Um, you know, I used to watch it every day to kind of get the updates from BC. Then I didn't really watch for a couple months because it seemed like BC was doing a really good job. Um, but man, like Bonnie Henry comes back into my life uh, in an amazing way as she crosses over into my hockey life um, and just puts her foot down and, and does an amazing job of, you know, setting a high standard for how we're going to react to this virus. I, I like it's it's too bad that the Hub City isn't going to be in Vancouver, but it's great to see that. You know, Bonnie Henry wasn't going to bend the rules just for a billion dollar company to come in here and finish out their season. Like, what an amazing job by Bonnie Henry to to do this for the for the province of British Columbia, for the city of Vancouver. She's going to try and keep it as safe as possible. There is a second wave that's coming. I mean, it's going to come eventually when the flu season comes. But like, I'm just I'm just so shocked. Uh, maybe not shocked, but just you know, pleasantly surprised that she just decided to stick her foot down like this and say like, listen. You know, if it's gonna if it's gonna hurt any of our residents here in the city of Vancouver or around British Columbia, it's not gonna happen. And the NHL, like, man, if like what are, if they're saying that they want to continue to play when a player tests positive, like, what's the number then? Like, is it a full NHL? Like, once a team doesn't have enough players because of a break, like an outbreak in their team, is that when they're gonna shut it down? Like, cause this. This needs to be taken more serious than it, than people are thinking. Like, I don't like the idea of them going to Vegas. I don't like the idea of them, you know, exploring a city like Toronto who still has high numbers or any other cities that they're kind of looking at. Vancouver was the best option. Um, but it, it's good that she stuck her foot down. And she's not going to bend to their rules that they wanted. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And, you know, on the topic of allowing players to play through a COVID or sorry, teams to play through a bunch of their players testing positive, we look across at Major League Baseball and they released today that they're going to have a COVID-19 specific disabled list or injured list now. Sorry, rather. Um, wow. That's what it's called now. So and they've also expanded the rosters. Sorry, this is something, you know, hockey listeners might not know this. So usually baseball has 40 man rosters. They've expanded it to 60. So that's going to mean that a lot of guys who would have been in AAA, um, during this season, and it doesn't look like the minor leagues are going to have their full season. I don't think it's possible. Uh, you know, again, that's a bunch more testing. Like, there's a lot of levels of minor league baseball, so that's a whole other conversation. But it's going to be a lot of AAA players on the roster who can fill in if somebody gets a positive COVID test, and they're on the disabled list, injured list. Man, I got to get used to that. Um, <laughs> and uh, when they get the test, the only way they can return from a COVID um, the COVID list or whatever is by testing negative twice. And I don't know what the time period for that is, but you have to test negative twice in order to return. So that's what Major League Baseball has proposed. Again, MLB is not doing hub cities. They are just going all across North America. I don't think this is going to work out well Wild. for them. I don't think this is going to end well because they're no. literally just going in and out from every city. And I, I think Toronto is not even going to be playing at home. Like Toronto is going to be in Buffalo at their AAA facility, um, where the uh, their AAA team plays. It's a nice facility in Buffalo there. Again, it doesn't really matter because there's no fans. Yeah, exactly, the Bisons. Um, so, I mean, w- what does this mean for the NHL? Like, does the is the NHL going to just d- adopt something similar? Like, are they going to have a COVID list where players who are Ugh. injured, quote-unquote, I'm doing air quotes while I say that, are they just going to go on this COVID list and then have to test negative twice? Because, again... We talk about black aces, and I know that's something you want to touch on before we get to this interview with Sammy Sallow. These black aces, again, we talked about with both Rick Dollywell and Sammy Sallow. Should have mentioned off the top that they both joined us for this episode. (laughs) We talked about it with uh, Rick 
that the hey, black you got the, gonna... I'm just happy that you did the parallel uh, brought to you by Parallel 49 yeah, in this I one didn't, for the intro. Didn't forget just that. completely forgot the two major interviews, but that's all right. That's okay. I remember Parallel. Um, <laughs> we talked about it with Rick Dollywall. Like, these black aces are going to come in handy. They're going to be important for this playoff run. And if you have a COVID list, they become even more important. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know, man. You, you'd go ahead and talk about black aces because I know there's one you want to talk about, and that's Cole Lind. Yeah. Before I get to the Black Aces, uh, I do want to quickly mention uh, we are giving away a signed Quinn Hughes photo. Um, and we mentioned, we put out the tweet online. We're going to tweet about it a bunch. If you guys retweet this episode, um, which we'll be posting on the Canucks Convo Twitter account, that'll get you one entry. But we have a bonus entry for people that actually listen to the show. So if you're listening to this show here and you want to get two entries in to win that signed Quinn Hughes photo, what you need to do is quote tweet that uh, episode, the tweet about the episode, quote tweet that, tell us about your favorite Sammy Salah moment or or anything about Sammy Salah that you enjoy, and then retweet the episode as well, and that'll get you two entries in winning that signed Queen Hughes photo, which is so great, uh, from the people at Blue Orca Sports Memorabilia, they sent us up, Fat Tony and the crew over there, um, yeah. friends of ours, friends of Pastor Amore, um, so he gave us some of the stuff to give away, we actually have some other stuff to give away from him as well, but we're going to start with that Queen Hughes photo, uh, so yeah, if you want to get the double entry, make sure you quote tweet the episode first, and then retweet it after. That'll get you two entries as we throw you guys into the little name generator thing that we have for the computer. But yes, the Black Aces. They are going to be important. Rick Dollywall talks about it in his interview. We're probably going to see some of these guys play. I really don't want it to be because the players are testing positive for COVID. That, I think, is just mm-hmm. going to be horrible. Um, I think that's just... Yeah, it's brut- it's scary to think that they already have to like think about that. You know, like the fact that people are talking about the Black Aces having to play because of the COVID situation is mm-hmm. just more for me to say, like, maybe they shouldn't play this game then if we're going to risk players, you know, that, that could be susceptible to this COVID. I mean, everybody is, right? It's a very, very contagious virus, and it can get around a, a league very fast. It can get around a team very fast, especially if you're playing hockey, bumping and grinding, playing the sport. But the Black Aces list, I'm just going to get into this because I saw that Ben Kuzma tweeted it out. Um, his tweet here, uh, on June 22nd, Vancouver is adding the following to July 10 camp forward Sven Berchi, Tyler Grayback, Justin Bailey, defenseman, Brogan Rafferty, Ashton Sautner, Guillaume Brisois, Ole Levy, Jalen Chatfield, and goaltender Mikey DiPietro. There's one name on there, um, that I am not happy, uh, is, is missing and it's Cole Lind. And I look at Sven Berchi, I look at Tyler Grayback, I look at Justin Bailey, I say, okay, Justin Bailey and Sven Berchi, probably better suited to play in an NHL game right now. Probably Tyler Gravak as well. But you have a guy in Cole Lind who is so young, so he took a huge step this year with the Utica Comets. We're going to see Ole Levy in this camp. Why would you not take Cole Lind over him? Why would you not have Ole Levy try and be able to go and get healthy as possible I know that people are saying, well, yeah, it's good for Olia Levy as well to get this kind of this kind of experience around a playoff team, a team going into the playoffs. But I think it's bigger for Cole Lynn because Cole Lynn was healthy. He's the only player on the Utica Comets who played every single game for them this year. I mean, he stayed healthy. He took a huge step this season. He had 44 points, 61 games. Uh, he was sixth in the team in scoring, just behind Brogan Rafferty and Sven Berici. And Justin Bailey, just a couple points behind all three of those guys. Very close to being the third highest scoring player on this team at the tender age of, what is he, 20, 22, 21 right now? And, mm-hmm. I, and you know, I just I was just texting with him and I was saying, you know, like, 
how excited are you for this? He's like, I'm super excited. I'm back skating now. I'm skating with the team, or I'm skating over here in Shaunavan in his hometown. He's so happy to be on the ice. He said the time off has been great. He's been keeping very active and getting ready to be able to go into this training camp. And then I see this report from Ben Kuzma that says that he's not on the list. He was actually uh, Jim Benning's fourth forward on that list behind those three players I mentioned earlier, Gravak, Berchi, um, and Bailey. And don't get me wrong, those three probably do like I said earlier, they're probably more NHL-ready players. But in the future, in the long run, the way that a general manager should be looking at some of this, I'm sorry, but you don't need every single defenseman on this list that we're seeing. I mean, I'm seeing Rafferty, Sautner, Breezebois, Yolevi, Chatfield. If you want to go for NHL-ready, I do think Yolevi's probably the fifth guy on that list for NHL-ready right now. I have Sautner ahead of him for sure. I have Rafferty ahead of him for sure. I have Breezebois ahead of him. And then Chatfield and Yolevi, you could probably debate. They're pretty close to being NHL-ready, but Chatfield probably ready to defend at the NHL level a little bit better. Yolevi is important for him to get this run, but man, I think it's way more important for a guy like Cole Lynn to be here than some of these other defensemen. I think they should have gone with four forwards and four defensemen. I think that's where they kind of messed up a little bit because we're not going to get down to that fifth defenseman on the depth chart of the Black Aces that's going to have to play. Why would you not bring a guy like Cole Linden who has a huge NHL future? I'm looking at all these guys on this list. Cole Lind has the brightest future in the NHL out of every single one of them, aside from possibly Mikey DiPietro. I think he's got an NHL future if he can figure some stuff out. But out of all of these players on this list, who probably aren't going to play, most of these players will probably not play in a playoff game or a playing game, whatever you want to call it. Cole Lind probably wouldn't either. Why not have him on that list? He has the brightest NHL future out of over all those guys, aside from, like I said, maybe Mikey DiPietro. But Cole Lynn has the brightest NHL future and specifically future with the Vancouver Canucks. So the fact that they're not going to have him on that list is ridiculous to me. I don't know if he's going to be added later, but I know that they have a lot of wingers. I mean, we have we talked about uh, Michael Furland a lot with Rick later on in this mm-hmm. interview. Josh Levo maybe gets a little bit healthy with some more time here. and Maybe we get to see him, even though the injuries doesn't sound great about him. But there's still extra forwards like Zach McEwen, Tyler Mott, Louis Erickson. They're, probably, they're definitely going to play above a guys like Cole Lynn and all three of these guys so why would you not have Cole Lind here to experience what a playoff atmosphere is like he's missing out on the opportunity to get a Calder Cup run with the Utica Comets and that would have been so huge for his development to see what that kind of cranks up to that's the closest you can get to NHL hockey if you play in AHL playoff games that is the closest hockey you can get pretty much to the NHL so the fact that they're not going to give him this opportunity, I think it's a, just a crying shame that they're going to go and not bring Cole into this mix because, like I said, he has the brightest future possibly on that whole Utica Comets roster. I don't disagree with you, but is Cole Lynn ready for an NHL game? I don't think so. Again, like, you know, Tyler Gravak's not a great player, but he has played in the NHL with the Canucks this season. And he actually did okay, too. He was on the power play. So, I mean, I totally get what you're saying. I don't think Jalen Chatfield should be here. That's my guy that I think shouldn't be here. Like, again, Ole Olevi, this is going to be good for him to have this training camp, to go through it. Again, he's part of the future. It makes sense. You're probably not going to have to play him, but if you are, it's going to be, you know, Okay, sorry, off topic of the Black Aces. At what point, you know, we talk about the asterisk with, uh, you know, we talked about John Garrett. He said no asterisk on this one. Asterisk, sorry. Um, At what point, if a team gets, like, wiped out by COVID, at what point do you say, okay, maybe this cup win wasn't really legit because, you know, let's say... um, the Canucks are eliminated from the playoffs by the eventual eventual cup winners, 
but Ole Olevi was in their top four because of how how many players got COVID. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm just spitballing here. Like, at what point do you say, okay, like, yeah, this was a bad idea and this wasn't a legitimate cup win because half the other team was wiped out by a super virus? No, I, I agree. And I think that even to get to that point of discussion is not only saying that you need to put an asterisk on the Stanley Cup, but you really need to question, like, the morals of the NHL. If we're saying, like, okay, you know, each team has, you know, three, four, five, six guys testing positive for for COVID, and we're still going to keep playing, like, it's a horrible idea if that's going to be your mindset going into it, right? I mean, like, you need to shut, like, Bonnie Henry had it right when she said, like, any players that test positive, you guys need to pause it. You know, like if they're just going to say like, oh, a player here tested positive, player here tested positive. We're okay. Let's just keep going. You know, you guys have a lot of players, but then it's like, oh, Austin Matthews gets it, even though he already got it. Like if he gets it, then the Toronto Maple Leafs are like, well, what the hell? This isn't a playoff team that we wanted to go in with. He didn't really get injured. He just got coronavirus that you put us into this situation um, to make this happen. That like the NHL put him there. I think that that's the thing that scares me. And I think that I don't know if once the train gets rolling, the NHL would be okay with just stopping that train in its tracks. And that's what Bonnie Henry said, and that's exactly what the NHL didn't want to do. And if they're going to keep that train rolling as players are just falling off of it because of COVID, that's uh, like that's the worst possible situation for me, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. And I think when we talk about the asterisk next to the cup winner's name, you know, it's not just going to be because they won the COVID Cup. Like, you have to go with the situation and what actually happens. Personally, I don't think it's going to get to that point. I don't think we're going to get to the point where we're seeing more than four guys on the COVID list and not in the lineup. I don't think we're going to get to that point. I really don't. Mm. Um, I hope not. I wonder, you know, I'm not even going to start. But I, I'll try not to get started here, but the NHL's, like, usually league that's not super transparent so i wonder if maybe you know it's gonna be isn't it gonna be listed as like an upper body injury if someone gets covid like what if uh, someone's just like oh they yeah they they uh, well, have an upper like body symptoms injury. is that what they call it no i think i read somewhere that it's just gonna be called an upper body injury this really? when someone has covid unless like a reporter gets to it but i'm not uh. you know i'm hoping i'm hoping that the league's gonna be transparent on this i think they will be but you know, at what, like, at what point does it just become like, okay, six guys are out with upper body injuries and only two of them looked like they took actual hits or right. went out of a game with an injury. You know what I mean? So like, I think we just have to be skeptical that this is going to work out, but you and I are both hoping for the sake of this show and for the sake of a lot of our friends that are hockey reporters, we're hoping that, you know, hockey makes a su- successful return. That's what we're hoping yeah. for. Yeah, I hope it does too. I just, I'm not 100% confident. Um, you know, with players coming out and testing positive after we're seeing them return to play. And now we're going to see, you know, Rick kind of reported it. And he touches on it in the interview as well. You know, like we have the guys from Europe coming over. And obviously, you know, they're they're not testing positive over there from what we've heard. But they are going to be traveling from another country here into Vancouver this weekend. So like as this episode's coming out, I saw I saw some stuff about maybe Adam Gaudet coming in as well. So I mean, there's players from all over coming now to Vancouver to come in and participate in a training camp or just skates. And that's kind of what we just saw. We saw with Toronto get back to skating and practicing. We saw Tampa Bay, the boys are back in town. And then all these positive tests come out. <laughs> like, 
I'm scared that that's going to start happening. Like, not every NHL team is back skating yet. The Vancouver Canucks mm-hmm. are a perfect example. But some of the teams that are coming back and skating are teams that have been participating in skating practices in Arizona or wherever they are in their home, uh, their off-season homes. Like, there's a lot of positive tests coming out. Wait till all these teams come back together. It's going to... It's scary thought to think. And, I, yeah, I'm just... I'm not 100% confident like I was, you know, a few weeks ago about this situation. Because yeah. now that we're seeing the tests come out, it's... It's probably a positive that we are actually knowing that testing is being done because we're seeing some of these positive tests come back. That might be a positive step in towards getting back to play because they know what they can do and maybe they can learn from it. You know, maybe the maybe the NHL needs to not stop talking to Bonnie Henry. Maybe they need to continue talking to her uh, and totally. learn what the best way to come back to the NHL being played is because I would trust her with a lot of stuff right now. So, um, I don't know. I... I've said my piece about Colin. I've said my piece about the hub cities. We have two amazing interviews. Uh, Why don't you throw to those quads? Yeah, I think we've talked about this for about 10 minutes too long. So let's go ahead and cut to Sammy Salo. I can't believe I just said that. Here (laughs) is the interview with Canuck legend, Sammy Salo. All right, guys, selected in the ninth round of the 1996 NHL entry draft, he played 15 NHL seasons, nine of which with your Vancouver Canucks, with a slap shot that would make any shot blocker quiver, now assistant coach of TPS in the Finnish Liga, Sammy Salo. Sammy, how you doing today? I'm great, great. How are you guys? We're well, doing pretty well, but you know what, Sammy? First things first, got to start with you there. How are you keeping busy these days? Uh, well... Basically, being an assistant coach in uh, in uh, the local uh, pro team here, uh, TPS Turku, where I, which team I grew up playing for, and uh, this is now we're starting uh, or we're on a, on a summer break right now. But this is my fourth year as uh, being an assistant coach here, so it's been fun. Uh, you know, ups and downs, and tough times, and and good times, and uh, and we're still waiting for to have some great great time. Yeah, exactly. And we know you coached Olio Levy with uh, TPS, but one guy we think you coached as well is Capo Caco. So correct me if I'm wrong, but you coached him. What did you see uh, from him, like as a 16 year old? When did you know he was going to be special? Well, I think from the first day that we <laughs> we uh, we took him, uh, he played for the junior team here. Uh, you know, under the big league. I mean, under the big uh, big team. And uh, too bad we didn't take him earlier. Uh, I think he could have probably played even earlier than he uh, and he started. But uh, it was just a difference maker, you know, uh, a young kid who was uh, wants to be on the ice twenty four seven, wants to win everything, wants to do it by himself too. Also, and uh, has a you know great personality and just a uh, you know easygoing guy and and. Uh, was a privilege to work with him, obviously, uh, for a few years here. Yeah, no doubt, Sammy. I, I'm wondering, um, you know, a lot of people that step into coaching that didn't really have that, you know, came out of playing a career. They tend to learn so much from becoming a coach. What are some of the things that you've learned about the game uh, from transitioning to becoming a coach? <laughs> Basically, that it was easy to play, play hockey. <laughs> there's so much, there's so much more that goes into coaching that you know. You couldn't able to believe that you know you have to take into consideration is you know the different personalities that the players have, what kind of mood they're in, and uh, how to you know figure out 
how to get the best out of them. Uh, mm. It's and it's plus it's a lot longer days than as a <laughs> as a player. You know, you could just forget about the game when you left the rink. But as a coach, it's <laughs> you know twenty four seven. You don't really get to hide away from the game at all. You're, you're constantly working, working how the team can be better and how players can be better. Yeah, so there's no pregame naps for coaches. <laughs> Not really. Uh, yeah, it's it's very long, long days. Uh, it's it's a just an advice for uh, players who are <laughs> at the end of their career is to keep playing until they can. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I, I want to go back to the start of your career a little bit, Sammy. You were traded to Vancouver on September 21st, straight across for Peter Schaefer. And Peter Schaefer was a young player, similar to yourself, who was kind of coming up and just finding his place in the league. Uh, when you came to Vancouver, what you, what were your initial thoughts about the city? And, and you, I guess you came from another Canadian city as well, uh, from Ottawa. But I feel like Vancouver is just a different city. Like, what was your overall feel when you got traded there? Oh, obviously, it was overwhelming. Obviously, we, I was, have been in Vancouver before for to play against the Canucks, uh, but just the city itself, it's just on another level compared to a smaller market, uh, Ottawa. That's a smaller city, and uh, just the, you know, how, how the you know Canadian fans are crazy. You know, they they love their hockey. And the good thing about Canadian fans, obviously, is that, you know, even when the tough team is going through tough times, they still still love the team. But in Vancouver, it's just an, on another level. And the media coverage was, you know, so crazy. And, and fans, like, you, basically every day, you know, you go into groceries or movies or whatever, there's always people who recognize you and, and you know, want to share some thoughts and maybe take pictures of autographs and and. It was it was great in the beginning, but obviously, you know, in the end, sometimes it, it can be a little bit overwhelming when you're, you know, trying to have a little bit of free time. But uh, you know, I, I loved it from the first day. Uh, yeah. The whole the organization, the players, uh, staff, and the fans. It was just un- unforgettable from that first day. Mm-hmm. Sammy, you played a lot of minutes with Willie Mitchell. You also played a lot with a young Alex Edler, who's now transitioned. He's a veteran on this team. How much of the current team are you keeping up with? Uh, no, no, not much. You know, it, it it's obviously tough when the, you know, it's easier in the big, you know, in in the beginning. But then, you know, the longer that you stay away, you know, with ten hour difference and time difference, and it's it's really tough. And plus. When you're coaching here, it's usually, <laughs> you know, it's it's tough to keep keep up. But uh, you know, sometimes I try to shoot a text uh, to somebody and uh, and uh, and uh, see how things are. But other than that, I follow NHL by every morning that I wake up. I watch the read the news and uh, watch how Canucks are doing and how the and watch the highlights. And uh, in that way, I'm in spirits. Yeah, well, that's awesome to hear. And and he mentioned that you played a lot with Willie Mitchell. I mean, aside from Zdeno Char, did Willie Mitchell have the longest stick in the NHL? <laughs> Probably, yeah. He, he must have <laughs> the second longest. But uh, it was obviously two great players that I played with, with Willie and uh, and Alex. And, uh, and, you know, time flies. You know, yeah. Alex is now a veteran looking at, you know, latter part of his uh, career. So uh, me and Willie are obviously enjoying retirement in different ways and different businesses but the uh, fond memories of those players uh you know those guys fought hard and uh, taught me a lot and uh, we had a lot of good good times together 
what were your initial thoughts when uh, when Alex Edler came into the league? Because uh, he wasn't a super high draft pick, but I think he really shocked a lot of people in those first couple of years. Absolutely, you know, he was a big body and uh, wasn't afraid uh, to throw his body around and had had good vision with the puck and uh, and skated well for a big man. And uh, it was it was really uh, nice to see that you know young guys are so mature mature when they're coming in here and uh, and obviously. He's been a big part of the Canucks for a long time, and and hopefully will remain like that. Yeah, and yeah, it's been it's been great to see that career. You don't see a lot of players that stick around in one city for so long, too. But you know, he's he's kind of won a lot of fans over. And I think another defenseman that you played with who won a lot of fans over was Matthias Olin. And and I wonder because a lot of people here in Vancouver, we say like, wow, this guy was was really underrated. Like, what kind of warrior was he to have on your team? Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> He, he didn't shy away from anything, uh, and uh, he was a big body and uh, sacrificed his body. Uh, didn't complain about injuries or you know blocking shots, and uh, obviously was a, a, a horse in the back end and kept our, our team going and uh, and just super nice guy. Like I remember Matias and all the all the players from the Canucks my first year. Like there was a lot of you know bigger names, Pertuzzi's, Naslums. Uh, Lindens and and uh, so forth and uh, and uh, I didn't really know what to expect, but uh, from the first day they took me in with open arms or, and were really really nice teammates and, and that made obviously my transition a lot easier to the Canucks lineup. Yeah, most definitely. And I think you come in to that team with the West Coast Express era with Naslin, Bertuzzi, Morrison, obviously ripping it up. But something that you got to see, I guess, through the nine seasons you're there was the progression of the Sedin twins as well. How cool was that to see them kind of come from, you know, young guys in this league just trying to find their footing to, you know, becoming guys that were winning heart trophies and MVPs for that season? Yeah, obviously, that was amazing as well. You know, uh, uh, they played behind, obviously, the, you know, the big line and, and uh, you know, they weren't the biggest guys, but they were probably the fittest in the league. And yeah. probably would be still if they would play. <laughs> there, uh, that just showed like they were so focused on the, you know being in the top shape and uh, and putting uh, you know their best effort out there and and uh, and they took a beating and they didn't complain at all and were super nice. Like one of the nicest people. I mean, players are are humans that you can meet. Is you know that the twins and just how they're like seeing like watching them play together was just (laughs) amazing just that they must be connected somehow i don't know if they they had bluetooth already (laughs) invented but it it seemed like that they didn't really need to know i mean see where the other player would be but they would know obviously that where one of the twins would be and uh, it was it was amazing to be and behind them and watch them play on the ice. Sammy, we know those guys are all business. They talked about it at the retirement night and all that good stuff. But with guys like Kessler, Bieksa, and Burroughs, how were you guys able in 2011 to find that balance of keeping it loose but then being all business when it came to puck drop? I think the key for our team, you know, was that obviously we were really, 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 really uh, deep in the lineup. Like we had four lines and I don't know how many Ds that, could play and uh we rolled we needed all those four lines and all the all the d to be successful and 
you know the group had been together for a little bit and uh, and obviously we we kept it really a lot of fun fun stuff went on on in the you know practices and and uh, and uh, obviously uh, hotels and you know going on lunch or dinner and uh, and that was our key was to you know keep it loose and but we had the way to kind of turn it up and when it was time to you know play hockey it was all business and uh, and uh, and we had contributions from from everybody from the goaltender up to the last forward and the last D and uh, yeah. and uh, it was a it was a great great to be part of that and I think the team also can deserved even more but you know in the end you have to say that Boston was better because they won the game seven and uh, and uh, it was obviously a tough time tough time but it was it was it would have been nice to give the, the fans a, a deserved uh, Stanley Cup but uh, hopefully in the next few years they will get that yeah, most definitely. And on the topic of keeping it loose, we've heard a lot of stories about the pranks that guys like Bieksa and Burroughs would pull on guys like Kessler and vice versa. Do you have any good prank stories for us or any practical jokes that your teammates pulled on each other? Uh, probably from, uh, not too many from those, but I, I remember, uh, you know, obviously a good friend of mine, another Finnish player, Jarko Rutu, was another, <laughs> another prankster and and that's part of the you know the nhl because it's such a strict and uh, you know tough schedule that you have to find ways to keep it loose and uh and uh we did one uh, or yarko and me i had some part of it and, uh, and other players have part of it uh matt cook used to have this uh kind of like a base sweater that uh, guys were always complaining that you shouldn't wear that <laughs> and uh, you know that if you if you wear it one more time, we're gonna destroy it. And uh, for sure, he wore it one more one more time, and he had it locked in his uh, in his uh, kind of where he has his civil uh, clothes, and uh, it was locked. But we we had some help from uh, other people that <laughs> we were able to break the lock with the with the grinder. Sparks were flying everywhere, and we were able to break the lock and get the get the sweater, and then. <laughs> When the team went on the ice, it was up on the rafters where the where the you know all the jerseys that are up in the rafters. <laughs> that sweater was up there, so that's a, a one one good prank and remember memory that I have from during that, that time. I feel like Yarko Rutu. That probably wasn't the only prank that he pulled. It seems like <laughs> no, no, yeah, there's, and there's some some pranks that you can't really say <laughs> in this show. <laughs> Most definitely. And it, it's great just kind of hearing these stories back from a player like you kind of experience it. Sammy, I'm curious, like, in your 15-year career, is there one moment that sticks out more than anything else that you got to experience at the NHL level? You mean uh, other than hockey? Yeah, or even hockey. I think anything on the ice. Was there ever just one moment that sticks out more, I guess? Well, I... Obviously, the Stanley Cup, reaching the final, obviously, that winning that uh, San Jose mm-hmm. crucial game and getting to be part of the, you know, the final finals was one one thing, obviously. And uh, then I think another thing is obviously playing your first NHL game. Uh, uh, it was in Colorado, the old building, and first shift I got my uh, eye was cut. Stitches on the first shift, so welcome to the NHL. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's another memory that will obviously 
last forever. And then I think one of my favorites is obviously showing what kind of fans we have in, in the Vancouver was when the full crowd was chanting balls of steel. That's, <laughs> that's, that's for sure. I, I think that might be the top memory because it, it just shows you, shows you how, what kind of fans they are and they appreciate even, you know, not everybody can score 50 goals, 40 goals, have, you know, 100 points. Uh, Canucks fans will appreciate even, you know, the hard work, the blocks and, uh, and, uh, sacrificing your body for the team. And, uh, and, uh, and that's obviously a really fond memory. Yeah, most definitely. It's a smart market here in Vancouver. I think that's what a lot of people don't really understand. Like, obviously, uh, the Canucks fans are crazy. Uh, they're absolutely <laughs> crazy. Uh, but I think they're a lot smarter than some people think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, that it's even when the team is not playing best, uh, all the fans are still happy when you see them. And uh, obviously, you get shit, but you know they understand it. That yeah. you know you can't go eighty through season without ups and downs, and and they're very knowledgeable of of how hockey goes. And uh, and uh, I have just the best memories of the fans. Most definitely. It would take a pretty smart fan base to come up with a balls of steel chant, I think. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, it was, it's an unforgettable, obviously, moment. <laughs> Most definitely. Uh, I'm, Sammy, I'm always curious to ask this about guys who had one skill that I thought was just elite. Uh, and for you, it was that slap shot. I, I'm, like, was there something that you worked on as a kid to develop that thing? Because I know that you know when I grew up watching you, it was one of the best long-distance shots I ever saw. Obviously, it's, it is. You, you can't say that I haven't worked on it. Uh, I think it all started from a very young age when my dad was. He was a really blue collar man who would go early, leave five in the morning, go to work, and come back at night uh, at seven or eight o'clock. But he built me uh, a net outside, and uh, and I would obviously shoot shoot on that net for hours and hours and uh, with friends and by myself and uh, and uh, I think another thing is I I played tennis seriously until I was 16 hmm. and then you had to make a decisions if you want to keep on playing tennis or if you want to play hockey and I decided to play hockey and uh, and obviously can't be uh, <laughs> too bad about that decision <laughs> but uh, you know having a good hand-eye coordination obviously uh, technique to shoot is obviously a, another key part of that and, and then you have to keep working on it as time goes on as well like uh, I play with some great players like in Tampa I play with Steven Samkos and, and it's you know he would shoot pucks from that same spot forever mm-hmm. and just you know build on that muscle memory that you know when he gets that chance in the, in the game it, he knows exactly where it goes and I'm sure that's for all the great shooters, Ovechkins and and other players, that you know, you can't just really relax. If you have a good shot, you still have to work on it and and uh, and and try to try to even be better. Uh, yeah, and you know, it's funny because you you had to be a power play quarterback, and we recently heard uh, from Alex Burrows, who's now an assistant coach in the AHL with Laval. Uh, he actually has a power play, and it's called the Sallow. Did you hear that at all? <laughs> No, no, I haven't. Maybe I have to call call him up and maybe grab that from him for, for us to use here. Yeah, that's, I was going to follow that up and ask you a little bit. Like, what what can you kind of bring, and what do you kind of bring to a guy that 
that needs to take over that power play quarterback position. I mean, we see a lot of defensemen be able to run that, and some of them have the big shot, but here in Vancouver, we have Quinn Hughes now, who doesn't have the biggest of slap shots, but he seems to do a great job running that power play quarterback role. What's some of the things that you bring to your players and try and help them kind of understand that position? Obviously, uh, you know, you try to bring something that, you know, you've done over your career and what other players have gone over, uh, you know, over their careers. And uh, obviously you have to scout teams and see what other teams are doing. And uh, it's an ongoing process, you know, every every day and, and try to take bits here and there. And, and uh, you know, for me during that, my time in Vancouver is just easy. You will give it to Hank or somebody and get open, get open and you will get the puck. So uh, it's also teaching the players to read the game and see where the openings are and, and, uh, and, uh, and, you know, try to help them in that way. When you see a guy and you coach a guy with so much raw skill, like Ollie Olevi, how do you kind of implement those qualities that are needed to be an NHL defenseman into a player like that who has the raw skill but just needs to put it all together? Yeah, for uh, we had a really good good year with Ollie here, and uh, and uh, he really progressed a lot. Uh, obviously, number one thing for him coming from junior t- junior leagues was uh, was obviously getting to be more involved. I mean, physically. Winning battles in the corners because that's that's what it's all about for being a successful uh, defenseman is winning battles and then having the ab- ability to sometimes take hits and make good plays even when you're getting run over but you know you make those for the better of the team and uh, and but but especially that physical part of the game uh, we really work with with Oli on that and yeah. uh, and and I've heard a lot of. You know, from Ryan Johnson, uh, I've heard a lot of good things that he really, really got better in that, and and, and we could see it, see it as well. It's different uh, competing at a, against eighteen year olds than it is against you know experienced thirty year old uh, veterans and uh, who are a little bit stronger, maybe not, maybe a little bit slower, but are stronger in the corners and can take hits, and uh, and that was a big part of that. I think that. And that only improved a lot because mm-hmm. everybody knows that he has the vision. He's uh, smart with the puck and uh, and he can skate well. But uh, uh, competing was one thing that he really needed to improve if he was if he will ever crack the lineup. And uh, obviously he's had some injury problems, but that's that's part of the part of the game. Like I had, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, it's it's tough, and that's that seems like the thing that's holding him back right now um, is you know suffering some of these injuries. I know that the knee and the hip and the back. I mean, these are these yeah. are real tough injuries to get through. And Sammy, you mentioned it. You battled it a lot in your career. What's what's some piece of advice that you think could be something that could help a guy like Yolevi? Is there anything really? Well, for the actual injuries, there's nothing because, like I always looked at my situation, was that you know. I, if I didn't take those, if I wouldn't have some of those injuries, like shoulder or something, like I wouldn't go into the corner first, get the mm-hmm. puck, and then mm-hmm. get run over by somebody, I wouldn't be. I, my career would have been very, very short. Right. And uh, and that that's one thing that uh, was part of was really key for me was to you know how I was taught to play the game and uh, how I was successful was that. I gave it all, and you know, hockey is a 
is a you know physical game that you know things happen and sometimes your body can't handle it. But I think the key for Ole is to be be patient, uh, not get frustrated uh, because you know eventually the luck will will turn. I'm I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it will it will turn and. Uh, it's it's easy to say that be patient, but but uh, what I've heard at, at least that uh, you know he's not, he's matured a lot, you know since he left from here to North America, and he's more mature, and I'm sure he's he has more patience now, and uh, and uh, and just just work at it. There's some kind of there is a little light at the end of the tunnel, and yeah. you just have to have to keep your focus on that, and don't don't let anything distract you right during that time with um with the covid virus going on right now around the world it, it's going to make the ahl pretty difficult to resume play um and i know this is this is a great league for developing guys especially olia levy's age but i'm curious yeah. if the ahl doesn't happen um do you think it could be very helpful for him to return to the finnish liga and possibly play with you over there in tps maybe yeah it, it is crazy yeah like it's I know we get a lot of, a lot of uh, calls and emails uh, basically every day about players wanting to come to Europe to play because obviously here we have a really, you know, good situations with COVID. Like mm-hmm. like in Canada, it's pretty good, yeah. I guess. So, so obviously, uh, it's players looking to get playing time, but uh, I'm sure it would be if there's. Now, if the AHL won't start, I'm sure it's it's in a young player's best interest is to play play hockey wherever it is. But it, you know, you can't just take uh, take a year off and and hope that you'll be ready then after that because <laughs> it's it's you're you're wasting time and uh, it, it's a tough situation for any player, uh, especially like even in the NHL, like. Mm-hmm. Players who have who are on teams that didn't make the playoffs. It's a very very long, long layoff here. Yeah, it's, it's. I hope that everything goes well, but I'm sure there's there's going to be some players who will, you know, drop out of those 700 plus players who are playing in the NHL just because of this because of a long layoff from games. Yeah, and I mean we're already seeing players sign in the KHL or you know possibly go to other leagues, especially guys that were around that AHL. But but for for you personally, Sammy, I mean you've gotten to work with Oli a little bit. What would it mean for you if he did actually come back to play with you? How cool would that be for you? Yeah, it was it would be really cool, obviously, because we have fond memories of him. Like he ended up being one of our best player, best best uh, defensemen in the league mm-hmm. at the at the end of the year and obviously he would be a big help for 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 us and and any any pro team i i'm sure i'm sure and uh, we we'd be ex- excited if we had space we'd probably for sure mm-hmm. be, be excited to have a player that caliber yeah, I think uh, Canucks fans will be very excited uh, to hear that you were working with him again. I know you got to come back here for development camp in, was it 2017? I think that was when you came back here for the little bit? Yeah, probably 20, yeah, yeah, 2017. Right. Yeah, because I just started coaching, uh, mm-hmm. I think it was then, I think that was, uh, or 2016, so, yeah, it was it was a great experience, and it was a, uh, a neat thing that when they invited me, obviously, 
Couldn't say no to that. That's a dream come true to come come back to the see see how the Canucks work and and uh, see a lot of good good friends. Yeah, most definitely. Well, we're glad that you didn't say no to us, Sammy. Uh, this has been a great conversation, man. Yeah, it's my all oh, my pleasure. Anytime, <laughs> anytime you guys want to catch up for sure. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate that, and I think we'll have to tune into some more finish games here. We want to see all your defensemen with hundred mile an hour slap shots here next season. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I might, yeah, that might be a little bit too much to ask. <laughs> awesome, Sam. Every week, I can say that. <laughs> That's awesome. So, we'll wrap it up there, Sammy. We appreciate the time, man, and uh, enjoy the rest of your night. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right, guys, before we continue on with the episode, I just want to give a quick shout out to the presenting sponsor of the Canucks Conversation. You know what it is Parallel 49 Brewing, and they have a special beer out now for the summer. Tart, juicy, and aromatic with bursts of mango, guava, passion fruit flavors, and a hint of vanilla. To go with that, it's a silky smooth finish. That is, that's right, folks. It is called the Tropic Cool and is a smoothie sour. I mean, that's a beer I've never even heard of before. It sounds absolutely amazing for the summertime. And I hope that you guys go out and try it. You guys can go get it. It's available at their shop, 1950 Triumph Street, and in BC liquor stores across the province. So go out and try some Parallel 49 beer. Support for Canucks Conversation is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. The water-resistant technology on the Lawnmower 3.0, which just launched in Canada, by the way, allows you to groom in the shower. It's perfect. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last you up to 90 minutes and has a USB-mounted charger, so you can show off your perfect tool for your family jewels. Trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CanucksConvo at manscaped.com. Your balls will. Thank you. Zephyr Epic is Canada's source for sports cards and trading card games. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50. And now, join them for Thursday night breaks at 5 p.m. Pacific time every Thursday and be a part of an epic case break experience. Purchase your spot on ZephyrEpic.com and watch the live stream on twitch.tv slash ZephyrEpic. And for all you Canucks Conversation podcast listeners, you can save $5 off your purchase with the code CanucksConvo. Some restrictions apply. Follow them on social media to be part of monthly contests and ticket giveaways. Search Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Alright guys, huge thank you to Sammy Salo for that interview. Chris and I had a ton of fun on that one. And again, thank you to our sponsors, Parallel 49 Brewing Company, Zephyr Epic, and Manscaped. Now we are going to cut to Rick Dollywall from TSN 1040. Alright guys, very pleased to be joined now by Rick Dollywall of TSN 1040. Rick, how you doing, man? Doing really well. Uh, got up this morning, uh, did nine holes already. Uh, I don't know how many people can say that, but I uh, already got in nine holes this morning, so I'm a happy camper. Very nice. I mean, first things first, Rick, I got to ask you, mowing the lawn, is it a workout? Well, of course it is. Uh, Marjanovic mowed, he doesn't have a freaking clue. He's just, you know, he's not the sharpest two in the shed to begin with. When you uh, cut the grass your heart rate goes up. Anytime your heart rate goes up, you get an exercise. So it, it's not like elite athletes are cutting the grass for exercise. I'm just, we're talking about average Joe Blows like us mm. to cut the grass and the heart rate to go up. Yes, it's exercise, and Moj is out to lunch on this one, <laughs> as usual. I'm, I'm not surprised. What about nine holes, Rick, if you walk nine holes? That is exercise. I think I'll, I'll tell you, I, 
I did a nice little, I don't know if you guys have done it, but a little uh, nice uh, nine-hole golf course out here in White Rock by uh, Nicowind. It's uh, just by Crescent Beach. Uh, Very nice, a lot of par fours, a couple par fives. Um, I'm telling you, it it was absolutely it is. And you think about, uh, you know, 500 yards, 400 yards, some of these. Yeah, Yeah, golfing is Golfing is, for me, an exercise. Absolutely it is. Yeah, that's totally fair. I mean, I'm, I'm usually in the golf cart anytime I can. Burnaby Mountains, my course that I always go to, so I'm always in the golf cart there. But, you know, we were just talking about uh, you on 1040 there, talking about the workouts. So we got to ask you about the 1040 countdown, Rick. Uh, that aired a couple months ago. It was a lot of fun. We, I think everybody enjoyed listening to it. we got to ask you, what's your favorite moment from that countdown that didn't involve yourself? Um, didn't involve myself. I think the, I think the one that stands out is, is the poker fight, uh, between Pratt and Thayer. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of stuff that, uh, John McKeechee, you know, who's, mm-hmm. he's a, a favorite of mine, McKeechee at the time, like, uh, they had the McKeechee, uh, school of broadcasting. Uh, they, I, and, and I don't know if they released that, but uh, McKeechee was fun. Uh, there was stuff in year one. Like a lot of people don't know, Jay Triano uh, was on board in year one. Uh, Dan Russell, Bill Kurtz, if you guys ever remember, was the first ever morning show. Uh, it's just a lot of guys came and went in the early years. Mm. It was just a ton of, hey, uh, Brian Burke's, uh, wife at the time, Jennifer Mather. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, she, and I was there. And so, funny story, a um, couple of days, a few months later, I end up in CKNW where she is, and I run into her in the hallways, and uh, I got it uh, because uh, I, I did a piece in the Globe and Mail, uh, an article where I said that was great radio, and she didn't like that. So, hey, you know what? And she had a bit of a point, too, but that's what all sports radio does. The good host will get you in your car to slam your dashboard. What are you talking about? <laughs> that there are some guys that do that to a queue. Some guys don't. But that's what it's supposed to do, All Sports Radio. Not 24-7, but to engage and to make you think and, and, and get you fired up. It's, uh, it's funny because that countdown was, was so much fun, I think, from start to finish. But a, a lot of people had a lot of fun with your clip, Rick, your famous uh, couple drinks in Rick Dollywall clip. Oh, it wasn't a couple. It was more than a couple. It was uh, – it could have been close to 20. I don't know. Um, we got into Vegas Thursday night at 9 o'clock. And uh, first time I've been to Vegas. And we had a bunch of – well, people don't know about this. It wasn't just the radio station guys. It was all our sponsors. And we there was a lot of young guys. Mm. And these young guys, I ended up with them at 1, 2 in the morning. And it just became a god show. But it, Barry McDonald, who – is one of my favorite people all time. Uh, Barry woke me up at six. I didn't even know what country I was in. And then uh, I had to go, uh, I had to go down to the lobby and say, Hey, is there a radio system for the bank over here? Do you know where they are? And they said, Yeah, the fourth floor. So I walked up and oh my God, my, my neighbors were listening in the cul de sac and they were calling me going, Holy smokes. And it was, uh, hey, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. I, 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 when I went for the first 40, and Mike Whittingham, who's my neighbor now, and was the producer of the morning show at the time of the operator, and Mike ran to Starbucks as soon as he saw me, and he got the biggest, uh, <laughs> 
coffee in the history of the world you could possibly buy. It was all black, no sugar, no cream. And he said, drink. And uh, I do believe that the 7 o'clock hour, I, I've been sober up. But, uh, uh, but the, you know what? Hey, listen, you're going to take a bunch of uh, sports guys off from an all-sports station to Vegas? Oh, yeah. Shit's gonna happen. <laughs> Absolutely, it is. And and Rick, we uh, we've been hearing a little bit lately uh, some of the stuff that you've been reporting about. A lot of these Vancouver Canucks starting to head back to uh, to town here. It seems like things are starting to you know get some wheels underneath of it. You mentioned that uh, the European players like Pedersen, Eriksson, Yolevi, and Fantenberger would be arriving in Vancouver. Have you heard anything lately about anybody else? Well, uh, I think Furland early next week. Um, I think, yeah, March. All these European guys, they were told a couple of weeks ago to be in, in Vancouver 28th, 29th, okay. uh, because they got a, they got a quarantine and the camp starts. Uh, so it makes common sense for all of them to get here. Uh, for Furland, I think uh, he gets here early next week. But you have to remember with Furland, uh, he's going to have to get permission to play and clearance for contact, all that stuff. Mm. And there's also a PDF, an NHL document, uh, that, that tells you you're a go to play again. So, it, you know, Mike's not going to just show up to Vancouver and get on the ice. I think, you know, he'll get checked out by the doctors and, uh, but I talked to his agent earlier this week. He's doing good in, uh, Winnipeg, uh, Manitoba, he's, you know what, he's skating, he's working out, uh, he's doing all the good stuff, he's symptom-free. Everything looks good yeah. with, with Michael Furlan right now, I can tell you, but uh, it's still for me, it's still a big question mark. He's still got some hurdles to pass, he's got to get permission uh, from the doctors, and when I look at Michael Furlan, I see a guy that can really help Travis Green's line up when he's healthy. Um, you have to remember the concussions he got this year, other than the fight in LA, and the other couple, uh, they were they weren't from a thundering body check or mm. a punch. Do you fight? Because the one in Utica, he went there and he kind of. There's issues with vision sometimes with concussions. You know, trapping the puck with your eyes. There's a lot of stuff uh, that goes on uh, in concussions. There, you know, and look. If he's in the lineup and he's healthy, that's a big benefit for uh, Travis Green. His his top nine is bigger, stronger. It's uh, it, it's better when he when, when Michael Furman's healthy and ready to go. He's a good piece for Travis Green. Let's see how this plays out in the next two three weeks uh, for Michael Furman. Let's see how it goes. Now, Rick, I know you might not have the answer to this question, but do you know if Furland has gotten any sort of different treatment than the one he was getting before? Because we were talking to a couple of concussion specialists, and they all basically said if you're getting a concussion again that easily, like these are treatable injuries, and you shouldn't be having these these symptoms coming back if you're properly healing from the first one. So do you know if they've changed his treatment at all, or if the organization has taken any steps to make sure it doesn't happen again? No, I, I don't know that. I just know that when he, when, okay, so Utica happened, he went there for the last eight, nine, ten minutes, first grade, and he mm-hmm. was out of the game. He came back season, they, they called the season on it, but he's gone back to Manitoba the last few four months. He, you know, had some good rest. He sipped him free. I don't know about any special treatments he's received in the last few four months. All I know is that it's not thundering body checks. It's it, it's mm-hmm. not a thundering uh, punch to the head that is is causing this. It could could it be vision issues? Could it be sometimes a concussion is is related to a neck? Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, so, you know, kind of like a whiplash kind of deal. But all I know is that um, they are going to try really hard and, you know, to get this guy back in the lineup. I expect him in town next week. Right. And then I expect, you know what, let him go through the uh, protocol with the doctors and, He's got to get, don't forget, skating at, in Manitoba is great. That's super. And those symptoms are super. But now you got to go into a, a practice situation, training camp. And in Travis Green uh, would love a roster of 40 because, guys, he wants scrimmages. Mm. He wants to see who's mm-hmm. in shape, who's in up. The biggest thing for me into this training camp, guys, is who, who shows up in shape and who doesn't. Um, Travis Green, you know, I've been – you know, keeping in touch with him uh, through the course of, of, of this. He himself has lost 15 to 20 pounds. He's going to be coming in slimmer. So his players going to be coming in slimmer too. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. I can say the opposite to this quarantine. Uh, but uh, it's been uh, – it was it was tough watching Furlan in that game um, because, like you mentioned, it, was, it wasn't it was a lot of big hits. Like, I think I remember seeing him get involved in the boards maybe even, like – just twice, but I think just getting the pace of play in front of him was brutal. But another guy that we see in Utica, uh, Ole Alevi, I think it sounds like a lot of positives from what you've been reporting lately, Rick. Well, it's uh, Ole Alevi and Jake Britannon are two picks that uh, invoke a lot of uh, passion in when talking in Canuck, uh, uh, Canuck uh, fan base. And I, I can tell you right now, um, Oli Levy, let's go back to his injury in Utica, you know, and he had fly to Vancouver and a lot of people thought it was serious and, and thankfully it did turn out to be, but yeah. there was a lot of questions whether it was hockey related or not hockey related. I, I just never nailed down exactly what it was, but look, he's healthy now. I talked to his agent, uh, Marcus Lato in Finland uh, earlier this week, and Marcus reports he's been working out with a bunch of NHL players uh, really hard the last two, three weeks. Look, guys, um, he hasn't played, he was drafted what, uh, 215 or 216. So look, it's been five, six years. Yeah. He hasn't played, he hasn't played a game. Yeah. He has not played a game yet in the NHL. Um, you need your picks at five and six, especially with so many teams. You got to hit home runs. You need different speakers. Are you writing them off? A lot of people are. I'm not. He's 22. Uh, he's, he's been injury prone a little bit, but you know what? When he gets healthy, Let's see what he can do. Maybe he is he going to be a Quinn Hughes? There's, there's no way. No. There, there's no there's no way he can do what Quinn Hughes is doing. Quinn Hughes is a is a special, uh, absolutely phenomenal special talent. He, he's a franchise defenseman. All you need Oli Levy to do is come in and be an everyday NHL defenseman. That's all you really need at this point. And if he can do that, that's great. Is it happening right away? No. Yeah. Is it going to happen next year? I don't know. I can tell you this much right now with the Canucks blue line. Uh, I, and with Tanev and Stitcher, I, I cannot tell you, too, what's going to happen to those two guys. Is is Nikita Triampkin going to be signed? Is Jack Rathbone going to be signed? It, it, it's just there's a lot of there's a lot of question marks when it comes to the Canucks blue line for next year. Uh, the, the only mainstays for me next year are Adler, Hughes and Myers. Yeah. And I think everyone else is 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 connect the dots. But we can't connect the dots right now. We have to connect the dots after the free agency period because we will know about the futures of Stature. Uh, we will know the futures of Tata. And as soon as we find out the salary cap, you will know if Nikita Triampkin is going to be here or not because I believe when the Canucks get the salary cap number, uh, they've told Triampkin's agent, we'll talk then. So 
a lot of question marks uh, concerning that blue line. Where does Ole fit? Mm-hmm. And, and then you've got this Rafferty guy. Has he passed Ole in, in terms of uh, guys in the pecking order? And so, look, I'm not writing Ole Levy off. Uh, I'm hoping that someday he becomes an everyday NHL defenseman, and that's good enough for me. But right now, he is healthy. He's coming to camp. And I'll tell you one thing right now. I'd be surprised if he's not a blockade. I'd be really surprised if the Vancouver Canucks made that kid fly from Finland yeah. to Van- Vancouver and then tell him, oh, by the way, you're not, you, you got to go back to Finland. I, I don't see that. I think it's a nice little thing. Uh, make him a black ace. And I, I'm going to tell you something else right now. When hockey returns, if hockey returns, I expect a lot of injuries. I expect a lot of groin injuries, muscle pulls. Uh, these black aces this year are going to be more important than any other year. Uh, in the NHL playoffs because I expect a lot of injuries when hockey returns. Mm. Yeah, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised either. But Rick, you, you talked a little bit about what that defense core might look like even for next season. Um, and for me, I think in a lot of people, they're expecting only a levy to be in the AHL next year to start the year. But we've heard rumblings from people around the league that, you know, the AHL is a league that's driven by that gate revenue. I mean, they, they kind of need to have people in seats to make that league possible. Do you, have you heard any rumors about the AHL possibly being in question next year? Cause that could make it really interesting for guys like Cole Lynn, Jonah Gadjevich, Olia Levy, you know, some of these young guys that need to take that step at the AHL level and might not be able to next year. Yeah, it's a good, it's, it's a absolutely great question, Chris. It's exactly why Reed Boucher got up. Exactly. Signed in Russia. You know, six weeks ago, Reed Boucher's agent told me, I asked him, I said, Hey, listen. Is he getting offers from overseas? He says yes, but he's going to stay in North America last year. That was six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, or he's going to stay in North America next year. That was six weeks ago. And then about two weeks ago, I got rumblings that r- Russian teams are calling Reed Boucher. Reed Boucher picked up and left because the uncertainty of the American Hockey League. Right now, Jack Rathbone, and I and I just, uh, before I came on uh, with you guys, I, I texted my Harvard source and I said, anything to do with Jack? And he said, no. Jack Rathbone is waiting to find out if the American Hockey League is going to be a go or not mm-hmm. next year. Because um, if he, let's say he goes, to, let's say he signs with the Canucks, goes to camp, gets cut, where, where the heck is he supposed to go if there's if the American League isn't playing till January? Yeah. So a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of privately owned teams in the uh, American Hockey League as well. They're in the same boat as the Western Hockey League and the Canadian Football League. They're gate-driven leagues that don't have a ton of money. Well, the Western Hockey League is basically nothing in terms of television money. CFL does have television money, but it does not. It, it only covers a certain amount of their budget. So right. the American League's in the same boat. So that's a great question. I think the uncertainty of the American Hockey League right now is causing a lot of grief for agents and players. So much is up in the air. I have never covered hockey um, in my life in 30 years and have been involved in such a time where there's so much uncertainty. I can ask 15 hockey people every day, hey, what's going on? I don't know. <laughs> And, and things change hourly, they change daily, they change weekly. It's, it's moving goalposts, left, right, and center, and things are changing all the time. It's just this virus is absolutely, guys, yeah. uh, it's just absolutely screwed the entire world. And it's, <laughs> it's causing uh, sports people just, and just people in everyday life. But it, it has absolutely flipped uh, the sports world upside down. Absolutely, it totally has, and and that's the crazy thing about those players that need to develop, right? I mean, like, 
how much would it hurt you, Levy, do you think, if he has to go back to Finland and play in that league? Because it seems like he's kind of stepped up into the North American game now, and, and I wonder if it would hurt him if he has to go back to play in the Finnish Liga. I don't think so. I, I hmm. think hockey's hockey, and he's, if he's playing against Ben, um, you know, look at, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up another guy for you, is uh, Petrus Palmer. Right. Um, you know, he started out in Finland, went to Utica, didn't work out, he's back in Finland, he, I, he's going to sign again in Europe somewhere. I think he's done with the Canucks because, uh, you know, the, I, I think I wrote about that a couple of weeks ago. But again, no, uh, Chris, listen, if he's playing in Finland, uh, it's pro hockey against men. There's a lot of good players in that league. You know that. And, yeah. and, and, and maybe, uh, there'll probably be more people in that Finnish league if the American hockey league doesn't go, uh, till January, February. So listen, I, I think, uh, and look at Pooley Arby played in that, uh, Finnish league last year. Pooley Arby did not, uh, I, I don't think it's going to hurt him. Right. So I don't think it, it would hurt you, Levy, if you went back. He would be under the tutelage of a uh, uh, guy you guys talked to, and you're going to have your big uh, interview with Sammy Shallow. Big time, yeah. Uh, like Sammy Shallow can overwatch you, mm-hmm. and his interest in, in your client is better because he's a former Canuck, and this is a Canuck. Um, and also, here's another connection for both of you. Uh, only Ulevi's agent, Marcus Lepo, represented Sammy Shallow. So, oh. um, you, you know, so that's why Sammy is invested so much in, uh, uh, in, in, uh, in Ole is because they have the same agent. And, uh, and, and the fact that uh, Sammy Shallow played for the Canucks, so he's in good hands if he goes back to Finland. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Uh, if he has to go back, look at ice time is ice time. The only way you develop is playing. And if it's in Finland or Utica, it, look, it's not going to hurt him. We're moving along here. We're going to talk to you about contracts. We're going to play a little game with you. It's going to be over-under. So we're going to throw out a number for some of the Canucks' upcoming free agents, and you say if you think they're going to sign for over that number or under it. Sound good? Let's go. Okay, Chris, you throw out the first one. All right, I'm going to start with um, I'm going to start with Adam Gaudet because I recently heard you talking on radio about his contract a little bit, Rick, and and I was curious because like his is his and Jake Bertanen's. I'm sure we'll get to his in a second, but Adam Gaudet's a really curious one for me. Um, do you see him over, let's say, two point two five million? No, 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 no. I think this is uh, his first contract after an entry level deal. I don't think he has. Um, I don't think he has the offensive production to ask for that kind of money. I really don't. And I think he can come in at, uh, one, 1.5, uh, sorry, 1.5 and under two. I think the Canucks will probably try and get him under two, but I, hey, look, um, I don't see him over two. Uh, I, I, I don't think he has the offensive numbers to ask for over two. I think you do a two-year deal with him. And I think at two years at three million, get her done. And, uh, I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's a super uh, super 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 duper hard contract to do, but uh, I would uh, I would be uh, I would be surprised to see if he got over two. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. So, Jake Vertanen, same number that Chris mentioned, over or under? What number did you? He said two point. Uh, oh no, that that that's that's Jake's gonna get. Close to three over three. No, no, Jake's going to do better than that. Hmm. Uh, yeah, Jake, Jake Bertanen, if he didn't, if the, if the virus didn't hit when it hit, and Jake would have hit 20, a young guy, a power forward to get 20 goals, uh, his agents look at his trap. And here's the other thing, guys, he's got arbitration rights. 
Um, you know, it, so I'm not saying he's going to hit a he's going to get a five year deal at, at, at three and a half four million, but I do believe he will definitely get over that. I would be surprised if Jake didn't get close to three or a little bit over three. Okay, this is one I'm reluctant to ask about because I've been very vocal about how I don't think he's an NHL level defenseman. But Nikita Triamkin, over or under two million? Oh, <laughs> he's got your record. Good... Yeah, he does have me there. <laughs> I would. Uh, I... You can always ask. Here's the thing, guys. You can ask for anything you want. You put your house up for sale tomorrow. Are you not going to go for a grand slam? Yeah, you are. Mm. You can ask. For... Does it mean you're going to get the grand slam price that you're asking for? No. The market dictates it. I say. Uh, Nikita, uh, right on the button at two. I think I, I think on the button mm-hmm. you can get to on the button on the button. Gotcha. Yeah, then, you know Nikita Trank is one that we've talked about so much on this show. I've been able to watch him a lot this year, and I just I worry about him coming back over here, Rick. Like I don't know how much you've heard about him possibly improving, but from the games that I've watched, like I, I would wake up at three a.m. to watch these games because what I wanted to do was like get a good clip of him, you know, like get Canucks Twitter all riled up. I wanted to have the GIF. And I and I struggled. Like I watched a lot of him play, and I couldn't really find one gift that I thought like stuck out for him to play. But like, what have you heard about him progressing over there? Well, I ask you guys. Uh, I'm going to flip it around and ask you. So if 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 Jim Benning has told uh, Jim Benning has done interviews about Nikita, he says he is an NHL defenseman. We love his size. We want to take a look again. They've told the agent, we want to sign you. Now they've told the agent, wait until the cap, and then we'll, you know, get a time. If the Canucks management and their scouts, I talked to Lars Lindgren uh, at the end of the year, Canucks scout and tweet, and I said, what do you think of uh, Trapkin? He said, I saw him at the end uh, mm-hmm. at the tournament. He said, he's like them. And look, there, you know the old thing about uh, size? Yeah, the, the 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 guy with size has to prove he can't play. The yeah. small guy has to in hockey has to prove he can't play. Look, if the Canucks themselves are still after him and show interest in him, who are we to question whether he's ready or not? The Canucks can also say to the agent, "Hey, listen, uh, we haven't seen what we've liked in the last year, Nikita. We don't think he's progressed. We don't think he's developed. We don't think he's in NHL defense." They haven't told the agent that though. What they keep yeah. telling the agent is. Let's talk. So the Canucks clearly see an NHL defenseman here. They clearly, they, they, because let's be honest, the Canucks have you, the Canucks. Look, I'll, I'll give you the Brendan Gaunt story. At the end, the Canucks and Gaunt knew there was, there was no future in Vancouver. So the, the agent asked the Canucks, "Hey, uh, do, do you mind not qualifying them so we can get a fresh start somewhere else?" And the Canucks said, "No problem." Jim helped him out by not qualifying them because he knew there was no future for him with Travis Green, Brendan yeah. Gaunt. So. You can. The Canucks have the ability to say, we're not interested in Nikita Trapkin. Sorry. They could have told the agent, sorry, we're going to pass. Uh, we're not going to qualify you make your UFA. They're saying they see something in the guy. They're, they scouted him all year. They've scouted him the last few years. They are still interested. For me, mm-hmm. it's the, the appetizer is the size. Yeah. Right? And, and they keep saying... That the foot speed is not an issue, and the skating is not an issue, and he is playing on a large ride surface overseas. So if the skating is not an issue, size is great, they think he can play. I, I think he could – where does he fit? Is he a four, five, six guy? I don't know. But they think he's a fit still. Let's see where it goes. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this develops for sure. And 
on the topic of Trampkin, like a lot of people have suggested just trading him because you know a lot of people are in the boat of you know he's, he's not going to be able to be anything of value for the Canucks. So is he? Is there a trade market for Nikita Trampkin? Well, uh, you, you just said something. Okay, the Canucks don't think that. Uh, don't think much of him to trade him. When a team uh, it puts a guy in the market like Nikita, if you don't think enough of him as a player, what, what team's going to think enough of him as a player? I don't think there's a, a, a super-duper uh, market for Nikita Trapkin because he's played the last three years in Russia. If he had played the last three years in Vancouver and Utica and was going up and down, up and down, up yep. and down, um, then yep. you could say, hey, guys, uh, Nikita's available. Who's going to take a flyer on him? Totally. Okay, we'll take a flyer on him because we've been yeah. watching him last. I don't, look. I really believe when the Canucks get their salary cap number, they're going to talk to Trapkin's agent. They're going to try and cut a deal. If they can cut a deal, hey, listen, I will tell you something else. The KHL training camp start uh, uh, July fifteenth. Yeah. Um, Nikita Trapkin could get up right now today and say, "Hey, I'm not waiting anymore." Why do you think he's waiting? Because they feel the deal can get done and they're going to give it another shot. Forget about the trade. I, I don't see the Canucks trading them. Uh, okay. I just don't see it. Uh, just do me one favor. Let the Canucks find out the cap number, and then I think you're going to see uh, them talk to Trapkin's cap. And if they get a deal done with Makita, then it, something's got to give with Spencer and Tanner because you, you can't have everybody. You, you just you can't bring everybody back. There's just no possible way. Right. That's, right. That was kind of my, my next question about those two guys because we've heard a lot of rumblings about Tanev's contract. We haven't really heard a lot about Troy Stetcher's. Um, but I, I wonder, like, is, is that because the Canucks are more interested in Tanev? Like, where do you kind of sit on that situation on, on who you think they kind of are more interested in? Well, big difference in the two is because one's an RFA and one's a UFA. The mm-hmm. RFA, the Canucks have, uh, you know, they, they control that. And, but here's the, here, here's the problem. It, it, Troy Stetcher, is in the exact same boat as Ben Hutton 12 months ago. Troy Stetcher can take the Canucks to arbitration and get a raise. If the cap stays the same and there's no compliance buyouts, the Canucks might be scared. The Canucks were scared because Hutton played so many minutes last year because of all the injuries. Canucks were scared he was going to get $4 million in arbitration. I'm going to tell you right now, the Stetcher cap will ask for market value. They deserve it. He's been a good reliable defenseman. Yeah. You know what? He's got arbor- arbitration right, so it's a totally two totally different cases because the Canucks can both they can qualify. They didn't qualify Ben Hunt last year. They did make him offer on the same day. They made him a nice offer for three years, I think, at the same money. You can do the same thing with Stancher. You don't have to qualify him, but you could try to re-sign him and just say, okay, we can't give you a big raise, but we can give you a term. Maybe give him three years of the same money, yada, yada, yada. Mm. I'm just saying with Stancher, it's two different cases because you kind of – Canucks have – they have time to deal with Stancher. The moment July 1st – well, I mean, free agency starts, the, 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 the clock ticks – when we find out when free agency is after the season, the clock's going to start ticking on Tatum. Um, okay, let's say free agency is uh, October 30th. Well, the clock's going to start ticking on Tatum. Can you do it? Can you not? What do you do with Markstrom? What do you do with Pafoy? Is the cap the same? Is the cap the same? Is there compliance files? Can we make a trade? Can we get rid of? Uh, can we get rid of Erickson or Berti or Sutter? Uh, how do we free up space? So many variables, but the big difference between the big difference between Stature and Tanner, the Canucks have some control with Stature. They don't have control with uh, Tanner because he can walk as a free agent. Yeah. All right. 
Rick, final one here. The big one. Jacob Markstrom, over, under, six million. Oh, boy, you're going to get me in trouble because all these guys uh, Twitter ripped the hell out. I know. Uh, Rick Dolly you, from Newport Sports. I yeah, yeah, I know because they're going to say I, I, I work for the agents. <laughs> hey, listen. Hey, listen. Hey, but here's here's one for you. If if Jacob Markstrom was going to get something in the fives, I believe the deal would have been done by now. And I also believe they've been talking to him for months. They know the numbers. The Canucks' first two offers to Jacob were very low in term and money. They have improved as the process has gone on. I'm sure the Canucks would love to get Jacob in the fives. And I am sure Jacob's probably sitting back there and saying, and his agent are probably trying to get six or in the low sixes or in the mid sixes, whatever. Listen, again, I'm going to bring up the house thing. You put your house in the market. You're trying to hit a grand slam. This is when you're going to get it. The market, the market dictates whether your house, what your house gets. Same thing with Mark. He can go to the market mm. and ask for six. And, and, and Ben Hunt went to the market. His agent was told the week before, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we can offer you a good deal once a month. The, the money went to all the big guys. The market dried up and Hunt. Look, I believe if they were ever going to do a deal in the fives, it would have been done by now. I think there's a gap. I think uh, both sides want to get it done. I think Jacob wants to stay in Vancouver. I think it's a great fit. But there's more than just one, uh, two things at play here. You guys got to remember, it's just not about money in term. It's about protection, no trade clause for the Seattle draft. Yeah. I mm-hmm. am sure that Markstrom is asking not only for money, term, which he rightfully deserves because I believe he's a Canucks MVP, but he's going to also want protection in that Seattle draft. <laughs> so there's a lot of things to play. It's just about not money in term. I believe in my heart. They get a deal done at some point. It, it, obviously, there's a gap. If there wasn't a gap, they wouldn't have been talking for months. They would have got the deal done. That the fact that the deal's not done tells me there's considerable gap there. So they got some work to do. But I believe they can get it done, and I believe he will be protected uh, for the uh, Seattle draft. And then the Canucks have to turn around and, and call Seattle and said and, and cut a deal with him and say, please don't take that hope. Here's what we'll give you. So simple as that. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's uh, that's a great conversation, Rick. Appreciate getting your insight on everything. Uh, you know I owe you a bottle of Crown, but last time I tried to give you some alcohol was on Rinkwide, uh, and you turned down a six-pack of beer from me, so I don't know if you're going to turn down this bottle I got for you. No, uh, Crown is, uh, is it's a part of my DNA. I would never turn uh, uh, Crown down. It's a part of the DNA. It's In fact, last night, uh, two really nice... Uh, uh, glasses uh, full of that stuff, so I would never turn ground out. Uh, beer, I'm picky. It's mm-hmm. it's got to be uh, Molson Canadian, yeah. right, or Miller Genuine Draft uh, of that ilk, right. So I, I'm picky with the beer. But then in the last few years, I've cut down on beer consumption. I'm just I'm strictly a Crown guy now. What is it? Is it Crown and Crown on the rocks, or you mix something with it? On the rocks, I used to put coke in. Now uh, the doctor says you can't put coke in, so, you know. So you can listen to the idiot. But anyways, uh, it's 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 it's, uh, it's on the rocks with water. Is is the and you know and 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 also uh, you know vodka's not bad. I'm giving that, that uh, more and more uh, a, a time of the day as well. We're just uh, so Dave is only twenty years old. He's just starting to get into trying some 20. alcohol. Good. Well, at 20, I was covering uh, Junior A and Senior Hockey up in uh, Fort St. John. Uh, at 20, wow. To be 20 again, wow. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, no, I'm sure I, you were able to drink a lot more than Dave was at 20, though, Rick. Uh, yeah, but I was hanging around uh, Junior <laughs> Hockey players and Senior Hockey players. I was I was uh, back in the day. You know, quickly, guys, um, 
you know, I see all these lawsuits against uh, the Western Hockey League. And, you know, I, when I covered junior A hockey, uh, back, you know, in the, in the early 1990s, it was a lot of fun, but they, we just didn't, we, we didn't have the social media. We didn't have the whistleblowers. We didn't have all these uh, things. And, and, and back in the day, I just don't, I just don't, I, 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 I yeah, I'm not condoning anything that these, you know, these lawsuits are saying. There's some pretty bad stuff in there. And, you know, I, I don't condone that. And if you ever have a kid that goes to Saskatoon or Alberta or, or in northern BC to play junior hockey 16, 17, you want that team to treat your kid with respect. Absolutely. And you, want your, you know, and so it's just a different, it was a different time back then and not justifying it. And I can tell you, I saw some stuff, but there was never a time where the coach and the GM, and I was tight with the coach and the GM and um, the trainers and everybody, there wasn't a time when anybody whistle blew or it was just a different era, a different time. And, and today we're living in a different era and time, but I saw a lot of stuff and, but at that time, we never, there was no ratting out. There was no cell phone pictures and cell phone video. And we just live in a different era. But uh, there's junior hockey for me. Uh, and Ron Toigo told me this last week is we do a lot of good, the Western Hockey League. They do. And the BC Hockey League and Junior B, I have a respect for all three of those uh, leagues. They do a lot. Of, they, they give these kids a platform and an opportunity. Uh, if you knew what the Western Hockey League and Junior A budgets were, you, you, you would, your mouth would drop. They're, they're pretty expensive. The top sticks, these kids are in the top hotels, top food, top development, top this, top that, top buses. Uh, a junior hockey bus now costs 900000 These kids i'm telling you they're taken care of you know and, and but a lot of those stories you don't see today yeah uh, but but everybody's got to grow and be better so that in 30 years from now we don't have uh, people coming up and saying 30 years ago this happened so i believe hockey will uh will will, will be fine i got a ton of respect for uh uh, the Western Hockey League, uh, BC League, and uh, the Pacific Big League as well. I, I know all those guys work hard, and they and they give these kids a platform to play and uh, progress and develop and become good human beings. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. Like what you mentioned, the stuff that happened in the '90s. I think people bring that up is is a good thing because you know what we're trying to change, right? You talked about it. Yeah, Thirty years yeah. from now, we don't want to have any of the shit near our sport, yeah. right? And you know, it's good that guys are bringing it up because. You know, pushing yeah. it aside and saying that it's no, it's just in the past. That's that's shit. You know, like we got to change things. And I think that yeah. you know, it's been good. It's been good to see some of these people bring up these situations because it's hard for these guys to bring up these situations. You know that, Rick? Oh, and you feel for the guys. Oh, Listen, totally. I'm not. I'm not uh, condoning anything. And if yeah. somebody says they, you know, and if they're, you know, hey, listen. But I can tell you right now, rookie parties now. Uh, for hockey teams are way, way less uh, volatile than they used to be. And, uh, you know, I've heard, I've seen, I, I, I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, uh, cover junior, senior hockey. Uh, the boys are allowed to have fun, but there's got to be a limit. You can't totally. cross the, you, you, you mm-hmm. can't cross, you can't cross that line. When you cross the line, that's what we have today is the lawsuits because people cross the line. Yeah. You can have fun. You can have, hey, you don't think rugby players have fun? You don't think <laughs> football players have fun? You don't think lacrosse players have fun? You don't think baseball players have fun? Everybody has fun, but you can't cross the line. Yeah, you still got to make the rookies pick up the pucks at the end of practice. I mean, that's uh, got to happen. Hey, <laughs> hey, and that's it. And, and hey, listen, I saw stuff with rookies on, on we, we used to travel uh you know on six seven hour uh bus trips we play uh poker we play uh the cards at the back of the bus and junior and and these guys uh i just have 
a tremendous amount of respect for junior hockey players. Uh, they're a good breed. They're good guys. Uh, you know, and I, I just, uh, look, everyone's got to learn, be yeah. better. Stuff happened 20, 30 years ago. Let's make sure that stuff doesn't happen anymore. Exactly. We don't want in 30 years from now to say, hey, 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 this guy's bringing up a lawsuit because of something happened in 2020. We don't want that. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, Rick. That's a good way to end it, man. And uh, we appreciate you coming on here. Uh, always love talking with you, Rick. Uh, you know you've been a big help to me and Quads throughout the years. Uh, so we're super happy to add you on to this episode with Sammy Sal or Rick Dollywell. I don't know if it gets much better than that. <laughs> I am uh, uh, happy to help you guys anytime. Uh, quickly, uh, it, it, somebody helped me in, in my broadcasting career. I... I feel that I owe it upon myself to help everybody that asks for help. And and you can't get through life without help. You can't get through help. Uh, you can't get through life. You can't advance in a career without help. I know the people that help me. Uh, mm-hmm. I know the John Rays and the Rob Grays and, and the, uh, you know, J.P. McConnells and the Gary Rables, all these guys. Uh, they help me. And uh, I absolutely... Uh, uh, I, I I don't forget, and uh, it's it's upon me uh, to help the younger kids uh, get through and find their reach their goals and, and dreams. So uh, anytime, guys. Absolutely, Rick. Well, we'll wrap it up there. We'll let you uh, get back to your phone because I'm sure it's been buzzing this whole interview. Uh, and uh, keep up the great work, Rick. We uh, we love you reporting on the Canucks for us here. All right, guys. Take care. Alright guys, a huge thank you to Rick Dollywall and Sammy Sallow for being a part of this episode. Chris, how much fun was this episode, man? Episode 86, it was a banger. It was uh, it was definitely a lot of fun, man. Uh, you know, first getting Sammy Sallow, uh, and then obviously talking to Ricky. Like we could talk to Rick for probably an hour and a half, and it'd just be hilarious every time. Um, so yeah, great interviews with both those guys. Uh, Sammy Sallow had a good time with us too. I mean, he was saying that he's down to come on any time in the future. Uh, we're gonna hold him to that for sure because uh, I'm sure he's got a lot more stories to tell. Maybe we can milk some uh, some more Yarko Rutu stories out of him in the future. We might have to. We might have to get some off air because he said he couldn't tell them on air. But you know, he kind of warmed <laughs> up to us a bit. So we gotta, we gotta get some stories out of Sammy. Maybe that's some Patreon content. We'll tell him only fifteen people hear this story. Um, yeah. Speaking actually, of I guess the it's more than fifteen now. T- talk about the Patreon. Yeah, for sure. So what we, uh, what we've done, and I think we mentioned it in a prior episode. Um, we've moved a lot of our writing back to Canucks Army. The reason we started it was, uh, you know. Um, we had to step away from Canucks Army for specific reasons. Well, after you know they said they cut a lot of the writers, um, specifically Corey Hergot. We wanted to give Corey a spot to write. We wanted a spot for us to write. We wanted to grow a little bit. Um, but now we're back at Canucks Army. You're uh, managing editor, obviously. Uh, I'm contributing as much as possible on the site. Um, so we're going to get back to our stuff being on Canucks Army, but. At the same time, we've been so happy with the Patreon support that we've been able to get from the $5 and $10 tier folks and the $1.69 tier while it was going. Uh, but uh, we're going to have a little write-up about the $1.69 tier and what we're gonna, why we're kind of ending it, if you want to read that, um, on the Patreon. But also, we're going to do weekly content now, for sure. There's going to be at least four shows a month uh, on the Canucks Conversation Patreon for the $5 and $10 tier, whether it's you and me just shooting it. Uh, or just kind of, you know, dipping and dodging through random stuff, making videos. Maybe we'll have some stuff from the golf course of me kicking your ass. Uh, just a bunch of different stuff we'll put out on the Patreon. And uh, I'm excited for it because doing weekly content's a lot of fun. Obviously, we do the episode on Saturdays that come out. But we're going to try and do stuff on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, one of those days. Uh, and, and make sure that we have content every single week for you guys on the Patreon. So we're excited to see what's coming in the future. And the Patreon supporters have helped us purchase some audio equipment. Um, for what we're going to need to make this podcast even better. And uh, yeah, we, we 
owe so much to them. So we want to make sure that we're giving uh, your money's worth with weekly content every week for you guys. Yeah, we appreciate all of you, and I think that's a good place to wrap up, Chris. So if you Hold don't on. have anything else the to giveaway. add, the giveaway, giveaway, giveaway. Oh yeah, the giveaway um, <laughs> for you guys that are listening. Uh, like we said on the Twitter, retweet the episode uh, if you want to get one entry. But special bonus for people that have actually listened to the podcast uh, and the episode this week. If you guys quote tweet it first, say something about the Sammy Sallow interview or something that you loved about Sammy Sallow in the quote tweet. And then retweet it after. That'll get you two entries into that beautiful signed Quinn Hughes photo. Uh, thanks to our friends at Blue Orca Sports Memorabilia for that. Uh, big, you know, supporters of the show, listeners of the show. So we thank them for everything. Uh, and I'm going to shut my mouth now, Quads. I am done for the week, buddy. Me too. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, everybody. For Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli, and you have been listening to episode 86 of the Canucks Conversation. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 